Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott is out this week. He's actually gallivanting with David Gregory in Nantucket, if you can believe it. I got photographs proof last night. It was disturbing. And I'm joined by Andrew Ross Sorkin, who he is deeply jealous of for a number of reasons. Including but I'm deeply jealous of Nantucket. But, no, you aren't. It's a, No, you are not. It is. You do not want to be there. You are perfect where you are. It is a it is a sea of corduroys and and white and people. whale belts and white people. It is and really seersucker. And it just says to me someday, like it's so flat, it's disturbing. It's a disturbing. I, I it's very pretty. It's very pretty. But you are glad to be here. I'm glad. Anyway, to be here. Andrew, for those who don't know, besides his fantastic hair and his Canadian citizenship, is a New York Times columnist and founder of Dealbook, and of course, a CNBC squawk. Box anchor, and he is incredibly popular with our listeners. Scott, People are going to start believing you about this Canada thing. I was born at Roosevelt Hospital. <laughs> in New York. Scott keeps putting this idea that you're so nice, but I said you weren't as nice as he thinks you are. But indeed, you are very nice. You're nicer than Scott. That's all that matters. I ha- I-, I spent the day with Scott yesterday uh, on Pivot Live, so I've had a lot of Scott. He was dying to talk about. Uh, he was mad because there's so much news, and it's, of course, there's a lot to talk about. Andrew, let's talk like uh, some of the smaller stories. Kamala Harris is Joe Biden's running mate, and I'd love to know what you think that means for Silicon Valley and big business. Secondly, the former CEO of Pinterest, Francois Bauer, who abruptly left the company in April, um, is suing Pinterest for allegedly firing her after she complained about sexist. Treatment. I talked to her, and I'm going to be writing about her in a column in the New York Times. I, I'm hoping to talk to the CEO of Pinterest, Ben Silberman, too. Um, Apple will introduce its Rundle this fall, which Scott talks a lot about. Yep. Which, which, what do you think? Of, like, start with Kamala. What do you think of going on with Kamala? I think if you are in the world of technology, living in Silicon Valley, not only do you breathe a sigh of relief, you might have gotten up out of your chair and, with a, some kind of standing ovation because... I think the chance that she l- goes after big tech in any meaningful way is next to nil. Next to nil. Now, call, she call, me been, four, uh, call me in four years, but I, no, I would say I agree next with to nil. You. I agree. People think that she, because she has spoke, she spoke out against Twitter in one of the debates. Um, she did revenge porn stuff. She's she's interested in the privacy issues. I think she is. I think there will be action on privacy because that's something she had done as attorney general in California, not as effectively as the current one who's trying to work with it, who is much more hostile to, I, I, to She tech. may do things around the edges. Clearly, look, she has a history. As She was a lawyer. She was mm-hmm. the attorney general. These, right. these are what people do. But in terms of the big actions, the, the kinds of actions that I think uh, yeah, some, I some, frankly, all the way on the left and even some all the way on the right would like to see, I think are unlikely. Yeah. Well, what if they bring Elizabeth Warren in, say, as the head of the FTC? Was something well, like that, that. Gets, that gets interesting uh, mm-hmm. and gets interesting pretty quickly. I'm curious, actually, what role Elizabeth Warren takes. I mean, we talked about it uh, on, on the yeah. last pod. And, you know, does she have more power as a senator? Does she have more right. power in the administration? By the way, I think you're only going to give up that seat if you think that you can replace it with another Democrat who may right. have similar views. So I think there's a couple of permutations and steps that have to take place before we get there. But yeah, if Elizabeth Warren is at the FTC, that she can do some pretty interesting things. Yeah. No, I, and what I wonder is if they let her. I mean, I think they're mildly interested, the Biden people, but they're definitely down the center. You know, he right. has also expressed some problems. And, you know, I, I think it's not a big issue on on the on the in the in the election at all. I don't think people are th- people are thinking about everything else but big tech, although it's on their minds. I think it's there. Um, this is the kind of something that's going to be, I think, has to be sort of shoveled out by people who keep going and going and going and continue to because I don't think you can get people mad at Amazon 
on necessarily or angry, even though I think people are more irritated at Facebook, getting them really angry to take action is difficult. It's just going to have to be, we have to not let these companies be so big. That's really, you know, like seatbelts. Sorry, we're not going to let this happen. It's unsafe and stuff like that. Well, but you're by right, the way, they, they can limit, look, they, they, without breaking these companies up, they can do lots of things. They can yeah. effectively limit them from getting bigger. They can limit right. them from buying yeah. other companies. And once you do that, it changes the dynamic. It's, you know, a yeah. lot of people would argue that unto itself going after Microsoft, even if you don't think they were, they ultimately yes. broke up Microsoft, that that yeah. changed the landscape Agreed. of Silicon Valley and technology. Yeah, but she's not the most aggressive one. And she has a lot of ties to the tech industry. Right. She does. Um, she has, she's sort of a, she's friendly-ish, I would say, very much like a lot of the, co- the the people in Congress. Although I think Nancy Pelosi is much more hostile to tech, given, even though she's represents she's San, San Francisco. Right. And, and a lot of these companies are there. But I think she's, you're right. She's, she's close to a lot of people. Her brother-in-law, if people don't know it, Tony West, who's also mentioned as a possible person in the Biden administration is the general counsel of Uber. Um, there's a lot of links. There's a lot of, and I don't not necessarily think that affects her or not, but they, they're, they're within that universe. They're within that universe. It's hard not to be. And she knows, she does know everyone. And in fact, just to finish this up, when I came, uh, when I was at Code trying to interview uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs, um, she wanted to be interviewed with Kamala Harris. They're very good friends, which is interesting. Um, she's like, can I bring a friend? And I was like, who? And she said, Senator Harris. I'm like, yeah, you can bring her. Um, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting time. It'll be interesting to see if she does. Uh, but people change. People also change once they get in different positions. Different positions, you bet. At CEO of Pinterest. Oh, my uh, goodness. Francoise. She's a big deal. She was a big executive at Google, a big executive at Square, very well liked at both places. I've been doing a lot of reporting. And she she wrote a corker of a of a memo about uh, Pinterest and the uh, the atmosphere there. Um, so here's the treatment. thing, and I, look, you're doing the reporting on this. Yeah, and I'm I'm a spectator on this. Yeah. I have never thought of Ben Silberman and the the Pinterest crew as a you know Silicon Valley bro crew. Mm-hmm. I never thought that. And may, and look, I'm a guy. Maybe I misunderstood right. this. I, right. I didn't think there was a lot of uh, uh, chest uh, pounding and uh, ch- and fist bumping and all of that. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah. So, you know, reading that was powerful stuff. It was fascinating to me, uh, the, the issues that clearly she was confronting. Yeah. And to me, always the question is, you know, how much of this is a function of a a terrible culture? Mm-hmm. Is it a terrible culture? Was there a fit issue? Was was it genuinely sexism? And 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 trying to you know unspool that and and really yeah. get to the core of it. I think I is- shall unspool it, but I will say she is not without cause. I, ha- I have I have found you know it's not it isn't a sort of chest pumping bro culture, but it's it is nonetheless it's sort of the softer side of bros, mm-hmm. but it's still bros. You know what I mean? And it's not, it, it's interesting because there's a lot of prominent women who have left that company in high positions who've left and gone elsewhere more than, you know, Google tends to keep a lot of women, which is interesting in high positions. And, uh, and this, this company has lost a lot and not just women, but uh, a number of men. There's been a lot of right. um, movement in the executive team. So that always signals. Can I, can I ask you a bro question? A, sure. a Valley pro Please, bro sure. question? Yeah. You know, over the past couple of months, maybe longer now, we've had a couple of high profile yeah. female CEOs who have been pushed out. Yeah. Uh, and questions about those cultures. And I, I, I just want, I actually just want to hear your view of that relative to this, because I was talking to somebody last week about this and they were saying, is it 
a bro issue? Is it a sexism issue? Is it of just that these companies are startups run by young people who don't know what they're doing? Is it that they're just all growing at crazy speeds and going too fast? Is it is it a combination of all of those things? I, I think all of the above. A lot of the companies you're talking about aren't actually Silicon Valley That's companies. True. That's you know, true. Which they're, they're in way, New York. They're way bags, the way, wings. Yes. Wings. That, they're in New York. Um, well, here's what I think. All of the above. All of the above. But it's really interesting, the kind... And, and secondly, a lot of these... Several of these companies, Away and uh, Wing, they had sort of these lofty ideas about fairness, and they were they used that as part of the branding, I think. And also, they were trying to, and they didn't walk the talk. I think that's one of the, so they were seen as hypocritical in that regard. And that's always a, you know, you should never when you Google still suffers from don't be evil. You know that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yep. and, and then when every time they're evil, everyone goes, they said don't be evil. Um, but I do think it's really interesting. You know, it, it, it's a, some of its race too. Like in terms of mm-hmm. uh, white women running, there's all kinds of things mixed in here. Um, but I do think women tend to get the gender judgment much heavier than men. It's really, it's not just there was a, another one, uh, Carta, the woman left and wrote a really persuasive piece about it. Obviously, go back to Ellen Powell, who I of actually course. did talk, I did talk to last night. I wanted to get her take on this. Um, it's, it, there's a genderedness to it that I think Francoise uh, actually depicted quite well, being left out of meetings, uh, being sidelined about where the real decisions are made. And it tends to have, not at every company, uh, for sure. Um, she had a great time at Twitter. She had a great time at um, Google, although she did acknowledge that there were problems there too. Um, but not she's never seen it to this extent, mm. you know what I mean, mm. like in one place. And so I think this is going to be tough for, uh, for Ben Silverman. I'm going to talk to him, so I'm going to wait to hear from him um, uh, today, hopefully, uh, and, and see what he has to say. But he he does portray a softer side of these things. Uh, and so you might be deceived, but I think hmm. there's something quite, from what my reporting so far, there's something dysfunctional in that culture there. Well, I as look there forward are, to that reporting. As there are in most startups, you know what I mean? Like yep. there's a, and, and when they're successful, it's like a dysfunctional campaign. You know, when you, if Hillary Clinton had won the presidency, you wouldn't have seen all those books about how dysfunctional a campaign is. It would have just won, you know, and yep. by the way, the Trump Always. campaign is dysfunctional. The Trump <laughs> White House is dysfunctional. They just won. You know, that's, right. it's, it's, it's the same thing. All right. Last thing, very quickly, before we get to Uber, Apple introduced the Rundle. I mean, that's that's where everybody's going, these rundles, these bundles the bundle, of subscriptions. The, the big, yeah. big bundle. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know I'm an Apple fanboy. Do you know that? I, yes, I, I do. I'm obsessed. It's a problem. Uh-huh. It's an addiction. I actually just bought- You're like Walt Mossberg was, was I just bought that. two new Mac Pros literally this morning. By the way, there's Wh- a delay. Why? Look, I have kids and school right. starting. By the way, for why those listening- Yeah. You you have you can't get them till the middle of September at this point for real. Wow, that's this a is long what's, time. No, this is what's happening. Well, school yeah. school starts hopefully the day after Labor Day, so we can only right. hope. Um, on the bundle, I'll probably be a buyer. I think some people would be a buyer. Having mm-hmm. said that, look, the if Tim Cook is listening, the Apple News Plus service is still mm-hmm. one of the worst services around, yes, and mm-hmm. it, it pains me every day. I used to be a subscriber to Texture uh, mm-hmm. w- w- with all those magazines, the Netflix and magazines, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then it, it came to Apple. It was bought by Apple, and then they ruined it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, They're and terrible I, at certain And services. I don't know whether if you're interested in film or TV, I just saw the new Tom Hanks film, which was great mm-hmm. on Apple. I, I saw... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the banker, which is also spectacular, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, you know, if the discounts there, the other question is, are they going to make money on these things? Because what you keep seeing them do is every year they get if you buy a new device, yeah. you get a free subscription. So right. 
uh, is there really going to be service revenue on the other side of that? What happens well, it's to been growing. The yep. service revenue has been growing with 100%. Apple Music and others. And so I think it's smart to do this. They just have to get better at it. I think I think some of their Apple TV stuff is good, but it, as Scott says, it's a lot of really mediocre content with huge distribution, and they will go upwards, as did Netflix. And that's where Netflix uh, is, is in trouble. Netflix still has the best content of all of them. And, you know, Disney has a lot of old content and some good new content, but they all have to, like, I'm, and NBC, same thing yep. with Peacock. I'm watching something that they bought from Britain called The Captive or Capture or whatever. It, they've got a really, nobody is really as good as Netflix is. They all have distribution. And I think it's smart for them to start to bundle these things well, together. And then the other thing is, though, and this is the conundrum for all of them, and I'll see, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Apple, especially this mm-hmm. fall into, into you know, what, 12 months or, or mm-hmm. eight months into COVID, you know, production obviously has stopped. We'll see whether it really restarts in the next couple of weeks. But if it doesn't, in a meaningful way, there's just not going to be a lot of fresh shows, fresh yes, movies, fresh product issue. come December, come January, mm-hmm. February. And right. then, you know, do you say to yourself, you know what, I burned through everything. I'm going to turn this thing off for a month or two right. and I'll see if they come back with something new later. Yeah, that'll be interesting. There's all kinds of, I've been talking to a lot of Hollywood people about how they're going to do this. And some of them, they have some interesting solutions, including constant testing, yep. but you know, it's still going to be just like school. You just, you never know. Well, they're gonna you know, try, some of them are trying to create like the NBA bubble, but then the yep. other, you know, some of them also could be like, you know, major league baseball that could turn into the Marlins. Exactly. And these are celebrities and they don't like getting sick. In any case, we will move on to big stories, Andrew. Uber is threatening to shut down their app in California if California forces the company uh, to classify drivers as employees instead of gig workers. This week, under California's new AB5 law, the judge prohibited the rideshare company from classifying drivers as independent workers. The order will require Uber and Lyft to provide benefits and unemployment insurance to older workers. Both companies are appealing the order within the next 10 days. And Uber's CEO, Dara Khosrowshahi, told our friend Stephanie Rule on MSNBC that, quote, if the court doesn't reconsider uh, that in California, it's hard to believe we'll be able to switch our model to full-time employment quickly, which means no more Ubers in California. Now, we're having uh, Dara on the show next week, Pivot Live next week. We're going to ask him about all this. He also wrote a big uh, piece in the New York Times um, saying that they're open to this kind of stuff. It was probably the furthest anyone's gone on this topic. Uh, But what do you think? Is this a real threat? I think it's a real threat, and I think it's a gutsy play, and Mm -hmm. I think the customer always wins. And so we'll see, does does the customer vote Mm -hmm. effectively in favor of Uber? And does the customer win over the employee? And is the employee the customer to some degree? Because there are some employees out there or or drivers, if you will, that don't want to see the service go under either, even if they're not going to get everything that they want. And so- So so hard knocks. This is what he's doing. Now, now Scott calls the Uber uh, and and Dara also lipstick on cancer. So (laughs) this is is like pushing this around. I think the idea that that Dara did bring up in that piece was we do have to change the classification of workers in some way. Now, California is taking a very strong stance as employees. Employees, Uber's going the other way. There is a middle ground here. What do you imagine there'll be a middle ground? This is a law. This is a new law in California that is going into into effect. Well, look if if the if the law effectively gets voted down, um, which could potentially happen at some point, mm-hmm. then you could be uh, into a situation where you do find that middle ground. Right now, there is no middle ground, so mm-hmm. you have to play either say I'm not doing this, or we're going to do it this way. So I and I, and as I said, I think the customer is going to win, and I think the employees are going to win, and I think the or, or drivers, I should say, who are not employees, because I think that they're going to start call, calling their uh, their local uh, officials saying, "Don't shut us down! Don't shut us down!" I mean, look, look you happens? saw this happen, by the way. 
Right. And every, this is actually sort of, and you could argue this is the magic of what Travis thought, uh, right. despite all of the critique of Travis. Travis's view was get ahead of the regulators. If you can own the market, people will mm-hmm. love you and the regulators will, you, you know, will have to we'll play, fall in line. they'll have to placate you. And I think to some degree, I'm not saying that's what Dara's strategy is, but a little bit of, of sort of, they've now gotten to some scale and size where there's a lot of damage that happens if this thing doesn't keep going. What, what does Gavin Newsom do? I mean, this is not, this is something he's talked about. About. He, he and I have talked extensively about reclassifying workers in general. And this was years ago. He, When he was lieutenant uh, governor, had nothing to do. He was able to call me a lot. Um, and we did talk about this idea of, like, what is a new worker? What is, like, he was very obsessed with the concept. Um, and this was before all these controversies. Um, how do you, how do you, what is the pathway here for, for all these? Because m- most people feel that gig workers were going to, are going to be you know, I think President Obama talked about this before he yep. left office. Absolutely. This, we've talked about this. This is yeah. the, but this is the the big way to solve this. The big mm-hmm. way to solve this is that every single American as a, I'm not going to call it a human right because maybe that goes mm-hmm. too far, but everybody gets unemployment insurance. Everybody gets benefits. Everybody mm-hmm. gets some form. I'm not, I'm not a UBI guy, but everybody mm-hmm. uh, gets some form of health insurance, of course. You know, mm-hmm. in a world where that's portable, of course, and in yeah. a world where people are going to be moving around and culturally, that seems to be the way things are headed. You need to set up a system doing it piecemeal, forcing Uber to do it or a Lyft to do it in, in one type of industry or one kind of subset uh, and not in another is complicated. By the way, in California, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. for example, and I don't know why people aren't screaming about this. Look at all of the workers there mm-hmm. who are independent contractors, who, by the way, are oftentimes where they may not be working 12 months a year, but they're working nine months a year. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're working 18 hours a day. Journalists. Uh, yep. live in this sort of weird freelance independent life oftentimes. Right. And yeah, it does affect them. So, this AB5 has affected them, I know. There was some discussion of that. So I think it's a bigger issue, frankly, than just Uber and Lyft. And I wish it was uh, context- not just contextualized that way, but approached that way. Because I think right. what really happens is people sort of target one company or two companies yeah. that they think are rich and wealthy and whatever, but but they're not really addressing the, the sort of larger, larger what complex problems. What would be the argument against this? I mean, my uh, thing that springs to mind is that all these people like Travis got wealthy off the backs of workers. And yep. I agree with you. When you got, when you paid, every time I paid $4 and they'd be like, look, you got this ride before. I was like, doesn't cost $4. Somewhere someone is getting screwed or over, or right. it's the VC money. And so, you know, they had, a, they had one, one argument you make is they have a business model that just doesn't work. Sure. But, you know? but I would argue that the capitalistic answer to that, to some degree, though, I'd like to solve, yeah. solve it uh, on a more organic level is taxes, right. something we don't do enough mm-hmm. of in this country when it comes to people making uh, 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 what some people think of as obscene, uh, obscene amounts of wealth. And so mm-hmm. when Travis sold his shares, I pray to God he paid capital gains. As you know, I wish the capital gains rate was higher. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I prefer. I have lots of views about taxes, but I think you can you can. There are there are solutions on all ends of it. You just have to think about it like that. You can capture it at one end, or you can capture it at the other end. Right, I guess so. I just feel like it's 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 one of these things where Silicon Valley is pushing forward business models that advantage them and not other people and are paid for. Eventually, we pay the taxpayer pays for these workers, like right now during COVID, and so they're offloading costs onto a hundred percent. But us. by the way, I would argue that's true of Amazon. I try to argue yes. that's true of Walmart. I'd argue mm-hmm. it's true of. Basically, anybody who's paying minimum wage in America today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have to figure this out. It'll be interesting to see who among the politicians, you see anybody really thinking hard about a real solution, not a, 
not a screamy solution on either side. Who do you imagine? He's got, I mean, my, I think- he's got my same first name, but he didn't do very well, did he? Yes. Oh, Yang. Yeah. Yang. What, what if they make? What are they going to put put him in? That's a great idea. What are they going to put him in in this? I don't know. Is he? He wants something. He does want something. He's been pretty active on Twitter recently. I'm yeah. not sure uh, wh- where he fits in the grand uh, game of Thrones that will probably take place. Yeah, he if really. In fa- if in I, fact I love- there's a Biden win. I love that if he gets it. That's right. I love that he's aggressive about it. I do. You know, everyone's like, oh, Stacey Ames and Andrews are asking for jobs. I'm like, so what? It's a big deal. They want a job. You know what I mean? They want to do something. They And they are asking. And I just love that they do. I don't find that a problem at all. It's not untoward. I just have heard a lot of criticism of both of them for that. But I like it. Yeah, Andrew Yang would be a really interesting person to bring here. Who, do you, who do you like? You spend time with so many of these people. Uh, I do think that they think they hung a lot of the, the, these companies think they hung the moon when they're just getting a, getting a freebie. You know what I mean? It's sort of like people from the Midwest saying, don't give, you know, people, um, whether it's, uh, you, you know, welfare or, or food stamps or whatever form of that. And they themselves are getting it too from the government, whether they're farmers, or, you know what I mean? Right. Like that's, everybody's getting a handout just so you know. Um, and whether it's a tax handout from the rich or a farming subsidy or whatever. And so I think we have to recognize this is not a new fresh thing to be helping people and, and to recharacterize it as, you know, everyone deserves, uh, not to be ruined by healthcare and unemployment. And I think that maybe perhaps this COVID thing has taught people that. Is there a politician though that you know, you you interview so many of them constantly and uh, I listen to so many of your great yeah. interviews. Is there someone that you think could, I mean, they're, like an Andrew Yang so type that, that, that's, is there anybody out of the box who's really out of the box? I think perhaps again Elizabeth Warren yeah. has the has the has the intelligence. You know, you, you can say Bernie Sanders doing that and AOC. Uh, AOC could evolve into that. I think. I feel like she's she's so canny. Uh, you, you'd imagine, of course, she sort of stakes out one side pretty strongly on the left, but she's got to be thinking. She looks like someone who could understand that there this is a complex issue, right? right? Or Katie Porter. There's a whole bunch of people that really, if she becomes senator from California, speaking of which, that her name is being bandied about to replace Kamala Harris if they win. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people who can think hard about this issue and not immediately go to their sides, right? Yep. That's what happens. And this is, we've got to stop going to our sides on this issue. And I, Republicans, I don't know. They they would like everybody to be a serf in some ways. A lot of people to be serfs, but they just you know elected a QAnon uh, person to the house. That's She's insane. That's insane. We we'll go to that later. Anyway, Andrew, let's take a quick break and come back to talk about Airbnb's IPO. Speaking of interesting new business models and bad predictions, uh, by the way, and bad prediction and a listener mail question about working from home. Okay, we're back here with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Okay, this may come as a surprise, but Airbnb is planning an IPO this month. The Wall Street Journal reported the company will confidentially file with the SEC and shares could be offered by the end of the year. The company was supposed to go public earlier this year, but those plans were halted because of the pandemic. In the meantime, the company laid off a quarter of its staff uh, and Airbnb's private valuation dropped uh, to $18 billion from $31 billion. Now, I interviewed uh, Brian Chesky not long ago, and he he didn't rule it out this year, but he, he said he didn't know he wanted to see how things recovering and things had started to recover because people were uh, renting Airbnbs for longer. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, you know, the travel business part of it had really dropped off the face of the earth, but th- it was being replaced by other businesses still. Um, what do you think now? Talk about this prediction. Is it a good time to go public? People are dying for IPOs. Uh, I know you know, that. I, it's, I don't get it. I, I, 
I, I, but I, I, as I said, I don't get this market at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yes, if the market stays at this sort of, you know, Dave Portney, everything goes up way, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is a great time. Maybe it's a great time to go get a, a lower valuation today, mm-hmm. get some cash in the door. But again, we don't know if they're going to do it as a listing or um, a direct listing, or they're actually going to raise cash out of it. Get in the door, and then, by the way, the valuation. If you, I mean, you want to believe two, three, four years from now, people will be going to Airbnbs the way mm-hmm. before. So, that maybe that's a good strategy. And in a, a supply constrained IPO world, bankers and investors desperate for for stuff. But you sighed. Why did I you sigh? Sighed? Because I, I, you have to think between now and next and next spring or next summer mm-hmm. is going to be a very, very choppy. A mm-hmm. choppy world. And, you know, the unemployment numbers are going to be yeah. real and you're going to see people out of their homes. And it just, it could, look, it, it could go, it could spiral in lots of different directions. Could it spiral yeah. upwards? It's, I, I don't understand how it could continue to spiral uh, higher from a market perspective. I can only hope that the economy does it, but it requires the government assistance. It requires so many things. So there's just too many variables right. for me. Well, one argument you can make is the customers of Airbnb are not, are people with means, right? And they're dying to get out, yep. right? They want to, they want to, uh, or at least have, are not quite as under siege financially. And, That's one argument. Yeah, there's that argument. There's the argument that you you could drive to wherever you're going. You don't need an airplane. Yeah. I mean, the, yes, I, I can make the, the bullish well, Brian arguments. was talking about that, that people were, instead of going right. to, like, say you're in D.C., you're going to West Virginia, you're driving there, or you're driving somewhere from California, drive to Oregon, and stuff like that. So they're seeing an uptick in that kind of things, which makes sense, because people are desperate 100%, to get out. 100%, but at the same time, I think that his business, I mean, I, I know he thinks it's a hedge on the airline, mm-hmm. or the, the more, if you go on Apple Mobility and you look at that data tracking, the more people are moving, the better it is for his business. I just, right. I think it's very hard to turn around and say, somehow, this is magic for Airbnb, this is a magical moment for Airbnb, the same way it's a magical moment for Amazon. Right, right. But you're right. But I do think potentially, because a lot of people feel this is the one quality company coming out yes. of Silicon Valley in a long time. Totally. And that, that that it is a business that eventually will be fine. Now, of course, same thing with gig workers, yep. people making money in a different way and effects on cities, um, you know, especially as rents right. uh, drop. I mean, as which is interesting because you have the re- rents dropping which was a big argument against them and not a, not enough rents now there might be enough rentals right, right? it's a, it's a kind of an interesting uh that is good for so Airbnb, i think there's one distinction sure. though between the airbnbs and the ubers of the world because one is taking people's labor the other is is effectively hopefully using an asset more efficiently and actually creating potentially revenue for people who might not otherwise have it um i've always had a huge regard for uh, brian what they've created i just don't know in this particular environment you know, how well, you know, how much it thrives relative to how how well it was thriving o- right. only uh, well, six cut, months ago. Obvi- right. They cut their airline plans. They cut all kinds. Of, he talked about that, all the things they cut, um, the ideas that they had that they just put in the closet, yep. essentially, for later. But what do you, if you were sitting in that room and decided to do this, what is the argument? The argument is the same argument that, uh, you know, we were talking about Barry Diller the other day, uh, mm-hmm. you know, buying a piece of MGM. Uh, the, the argument if is- If not now, if when? If not now, then. when? Buy it, yeah. buy it now when everybody's fearful and uh, yeah. get on the ground floor. The valuation's significantly lower than it was. And in the same way that you would believe, hopefully, that Vegas will be, be back 
uh, a couple of years from now, this will be back. You know, by the way, not to bring it back to Barry Diller, but Barry Diller continued his investment with Expedia right after 9-11. A lot of people thought nobody would get on airplanes again. He basically said, I can see farther than you can. It's a little bit of the Jeff Bezos bet, which is, I'm just going to, you know, my time horizon is going to be longer than yours. And so if, if if you can play that out, it could work for you. I think this is what I would do. I would be like, you know what? We're just, we have a good product. Again, I focus a lot on product and Scott and I argued this yesterday about, uh, about, uh, TikTok. It's a great product. Yep. Like you can't fight the, the great product. And I think people like it. And there's all kinds of issues off of it, including the impact on cities, which I think is eventually going to get sorted out. Um, these party houses, which is going to get sorted out, um, all problematic, but still it seems like this is a business that makes sense on a lot of levels to a lot of people and, and people like it. You know, people like the product uh, for all its different problems. I mean, if you remember the the uh, the uh, problems they had around orgies, if mm-hmm. you remember. Yeah, I do. I'll never forget. I I'll do. never I forget, mean, not, Brian. Yeah. Go ahead, No, I, I was going to make a bad joke uh, that, go, uh, go that only it. Scott Galloway would tell. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Go for I, it. I, 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 I better not. It's better better not to. Oh, come on, Andrew. Make an orgy joke, please. Please, please. It's for, that's for Scott. All right. Okay. I will say this. I've had the best answer I ever got in an interview. I think one of them was from Brian. Um, when I interviewed him right after this, this whole orgy situation, this has happened when people messed up. I had an orgy in a house and made a mess of it. And the woman sued and made, just wrecked this apartment, which seems totally, you know, there was all kinds of issues, people dying, people putting cameras in houses. They've had all kinds of things like, and, and Brian was really beside himself. And of course they were very young management team and stuff. And so he wasn't as well-trained from a PR point of view. And he, and I said, well, what are you going to do about this? And he goes, you know, Kara, they've been having orgies in hotels for years, like for decades now. And I was like, that is the best answer yep. to anything. It's a real answer. The hotel, I mean, the hotel industry had, you know, had been on his high horse, and hotels are dangerous in so many ways that don't get reported. And so it was a great answer. <laughs> They've been having orgies in hotels for decades now. It was a great answer. Anyway, let us move on to listener mail on Monday. You asked listeners to tell us how they're feeling about working from home, and we got a range of answers. Yep. You have a lot of popularity, Andrew Ross Sorkin, hmm. um, as, or Andy, as I like to call you. A lot of people say they like the flexibility, but miss the social interaction of being at the office. But here's one specific question: Roll the tape. You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, Karen, Andrew. My name is Matthew Kobach. I'm a big fan of the show, and I also love that Andrew is guest hosting this week. I'm calling you from the road, and I'll explain why after I ask my question. So the conversation around where we work is binary. You either force people to work from home, or you force people to work from the office. But it seems to me that there is a really obvious third option that no one ever talks about. Why not just let your employees work from wherever they want to work? So have a dedicated office space for the employees that want to work from the office. Let the employees that want to work from home work from home. Let your employees switch between the two. Or if they want to work from some third location, let them work from there as long as they have access to Wi-Fi. And the reason I'm calling from the road is I work for a company that recently implemented this policy. And it has completely changed the way I think about the future of work. So my question to you is do you think more companies will do this? Why not have the best of both worlds? I look forward to your answer. 
That is a really good question. You know, I, let me just start. Uh, Yahoo uh, had this and then Marissa Mayer ended it because she wanted people at the office working together. Um, and Basecamp had a, 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 an office. They are a very distributed company and he just closed it uh, because he didn't, nobody was using it as well. But go ahead, Andrew. Let, let, so what the do you question think? that I, 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 look, I think that's where maybe this is headed, but I think there's so many little, not even little, big parts of this that have to get figured out first, which is we live in a world of, of what I describe as proximity to power. So mm-hmm. if you have an office and you're the CEO of the office and you say you're going in on Tuesdays and Thursdays, guess what? Half the place is going to show up. Historically, yeah. people who worked from home were not trying to climb the corporate ladder. They were mm-hmm. doing it because they cared about Children. a balanced lifestyle, they might have families, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The question is how that all works in the future. If everybody's remote, maybe you could actually deal with this. And if everybody's in an office, but once you start doing the hybrid thing, I think that it's the pull of human beings to be near each other, not only to be near each other, but to be able to whisper into the ears of their bosses Mm. is going to be so powerful that even if they wanted to be at home or wanted to be traveling uh, or whatever they're doing, that it that it's going to be complicated. And someone someone's got to figure out how to how to nail that. What what if there were days where the boss was in the office? Now it's interesting you say to proximity power. I have been working from home for twenty years now. Like literally, I hate going to the office. And in fact, you know, even though I'm not a Times employee, they're always like, come in their office and say hi to everyone. I'm like, no. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, but you, you, know but I mean? you have like, climbed the corp. You've climbed the Kara Swisher corporation ladder, yes. right? Without, with, and without. Yeah, you can do that if you if you're the if you're the principal, a hundred percent. Yeah, but I'm not the principal. It's it's an interesting thing. I do still maintain relationships with people in power by text or calling yeah. or stuff like that. And so I think it's just a different way of looking at it. I think, but the but the question is whether everyone's maintaining their businesses. Some people are growing their business, obviously, during this yeah. period. And like it better. The question, are people going to start getting promotions from home? Are they going to be moved into completely new roles? Um, yeah. It's one thing to sort of maintain the status quo. It's another to be able to train people, be able to cre- not just create a culture, because I think that actually oddly could be done remotely, but to, to be able mm-hmm. to create those relationships where then you genuinely trust people that you may have never even met before. Yeah, there's a couple of companies that still come out. You've tried like Basecamp, like WordPress, yep. you know, uh, have tried that. It worked really well because people like it. And they're, they're, they do they do do things that bring people together. I mean, Jason Fried was talking about having events where they're mm-hmm. together. I do think there's a question of creativity. But when I think of newsrooms, like, look, that's where you and I have grown up. Do you, do you go in the office a lot? I don't think you no, do. No, I do. do you? Um, I mean, you do. Pre, pre-COVID, I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was in New York. I, I, was, I was there. I may not have been there all day because I'd be running around the city doing interviews and meetings and whatnot. But no, I I went in and it was in part, not FaceTime per se, but it was in part uh, relationships and people that I knew and wanted to know. And sure, look, I also worked in the London Bureau for many, many years Mm -hmm. and you're completely remote. So it's doable. I don't want to say it's not, but eventually, at least in in the context of the journalism that I I lived in, you always needed to come back home at some point. And so what is home, right? I think the tech companies are leading the way mm-hmm. on this. They, you can go or not go, and and they will build you offices just like you have studios yep. for you know NBC, mm-hmm. and you will find it easier to not go into the studio. You will find it easier not to do, eventually. What's interesting is if there's sort of these WeWork, if WeWork comes back, right. this resurgence to replace offices, because I think big offices are finished. Mm-hmm. The idea of big offices, I think smaller yep. workspaces are are and sort of. 
starting to experiment, which something that's, that again, tech companies have been doing for a long time with, with workspaces, even what desks look like. You know, mm-hmm. I remember at Google, there was a Quonset hut, there was an open plan, there was lockers. You could, they were testing everything to see what, well, I think that's right. I think the, the permanent desk, the densification idea, which was such a, false euphemism for, you know, basically mm-hmm. having everyone sit on, each, sit on each other's laps in an open floor plan. Mm-hmm. I think that's over. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. that has been a major realization for a lot of people. Yeah, there's no more lap sitting at Google. Yeah. Just And in fact, they had an issue with that in some cases. Um, but the, back to um, Scott uh, Galloway humor. Back to Scott Galloway humor. Uh, but actually, it was factual. Um, but I think what's interesting is whether they're going to be tax write-offs for employees. Like, I'm using a home I have yep. right now, and I'm going to write it off. I do every, all my work here. And I, my accountant was like, you're doing all your work. Write off. Put a mortgage on it. Write it off and stuff like that. So it'll be kind of interesting from a tax point of view. But what it, what the last yeah. question I have before we get to your prediction is – how do you create creativity amongst and between people? I mean, you and I both interviewed Reed Hastings. There's a new book out called No Rules right. Rules, and he has talks about talent density and and things like that. Um, how do you create excitement between people and creativity? Because so many businesses, you know, there's certain people, by the way, let me just, before we yeah. finish, that have to work from a place, yep. whether it's a restaurant or it's a whatever it is, who have jobs that you do, you have to physically go to. And that is going to not change. Um, and they have a harder time of it and they need public transportation and support in these offices. But a whole lot of them don't. So how do you create creativity in that regard? So at least over the past pandemic that I've lived through now, and we have a team on DealBook and obviously the, the, at, at yeah. the times, and then I, I, I have a team that I work with at, at Squawk Box. I've actually found it's less... The, the creativity is not necessarily happening in the Zoom meeting. That's not how it's mm-hmm. happening. It's happening in a lot of one-on-one emails, calls, slacks, very idiosyncratic, trying to almost replicate the time that might have happened when you bumped into somebody. But I'm much sure. more, I don't know if you've had this uh, happen to you. Productive. Well, A, a more productive, but, but B... You know, in the old days, or pre pre COVID days, you know, you'd have to schedule a meeting with somebody. If you wanted to call mm-hmm. them, you'd send them a text. Can I call you at this time? Now it's like right. back to the future. It's like 20 years ago. I just call you. Right. And if you pick up, you pick right. up. If you don't, you leave a message. But there is this mm-hmm. idiosyncratic thing. And I think it's, it's, but it's, but it's on the employees and the managers to keep those yeah. relationships moving and to be almost, you know, extra dedicated towards having the, having those, you know, that kind of back and forth. Cause I think when you lose it and I've had even a couple of days here and there where I've lost it for whatever reason, I've, I felt the, the difference. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is whether you have a declines in things like sexual harassment or, uh, racial incidents and things like that. What, although someone just told me there's a big problem now because on Slack, people lose their minds and they think they're on Reddit one second and they're on Slack and they, there's, there's, there's still incidents well, of so that I hear, because, yeah, people, I hear two things on that. I don't know if you, about you. So the Slack thing, everybody acts like they're on Twitter and they say crazy things because it's faceless. Right. But then on Zoom, I have, I've heard some people say they think it's actually, it, it democratizes yeah. the room because everyone's in their own little right. box and, and, and either nobody has power or I've heard the exact opposite. And, and I actually recently read a, a, a piece by the um, tr- tremendous gender reporter at the New York Times talking about the, the opposite effect, which was that women mm-hmm. felt that they actually uh, had less of a seat at the table. So, Oh, interesting. 
There'll be studies. People are doing yep. studies. I just heard about a study on this thing, but it'll be interesting. It's a really interesting time. Matthew, thank you so much for that excellent question. Uh, I do think we're going to be doing a hybrid yep. answer to this uh, going forward. I think there's just no other way, especially because the fast forward companies are doing it. Um, and Andrew thinks offices are coming no, back. No, no, no. Let me, let, let me take it back. I do think it will be hybrid, but I don't think it'll just be willy nilly hybrid. I think it'll yeah, be okay. there'll be there'll be structure to the hybrid. You'll come in three days a week or whatever it is, and you'll be and there will be the proximity to power issue. You will be trying to be there when other people are there that you desperately want to suck up to. Still sucking up never changes, no matter what how much digital uh, things happen. Sucking up is still a long time practice of people in this country. Anyway, Andrew, yep. uh, one more quick break, and we'll be back for your prediction. Okay, Andrew, this is usually Scott's thing, but you are in the hot seat. Uh, what is your prediction? What, what, is your, what is your prediction? Just what is your prediction? My prediction is that Bernie Sanders will find a way into a Biden administration if he wins. Oh, how so? Please illuminate us some more. Uh, you know, I, this is a completely wacky prediction. And by the way, I was wrong with the other prediction the other day. So just like get mm -hmm. out your salt shaker, the biggest one you got. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. I, I, he is, he's, I think he's going to end up campaigning for Biden. Um, mm -hmm. At this point in his career, does he have more power uh, as a senator or in the administration? Could he do, you know, could he, could he push them into a, 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 a place that he wants to be? Maybe. Could he create more excitement mm -hmm. about it? Maybe. I, I, frankly, I'm throwing. Pick, pick a place. Pick a place. You got to pick a place. Oh, like an actual role. Yeah, yeah, an actual role, not just wandering around yelling at people. Uh, that's what I was really thinking the role might be. Or Larry David. That might Larry be the role. David. That might be the role. I think Larry David should have a role in the Biden administration. Yeah. But what? Um, uh, what? Pick a role. I want. I need you. I'm gonna press you for just further. special advisor. Special. That seems like you think one that's of those too lame things. Yeah, I think he's going to be, then he'll be mad. You know what I mean? Because he'll not have real power. That's that's something you give to someone you just want to put off to the side. Special advisor to the president. Um, Unless you're Peter Navarro and you get to wander in and scream at the see, president every now and then. But, yeah, but that's that. That's because that's a crazy, that, the way he runs those offices is like. I don't know. These predictions, because I, I was trying to come up with a wild prediction. I thought that was. That's a good I one. That was I like it, but I want you to put him in a spot. Just see a senior advisor. You don't think like a cabinet position. <sighs> I mean, you know, because all the cabinet positions have been so, uh, I mean, I was going to say, like, if I said education, then you know who I think of now. And then I think that that's like a, a role that's not. <laughs> all right. I'm going to press you just a little bit on this prediction. Who's education secretary? If Biden wins. I'm oh, gonna, that is a good question. Trump people, who knows, they'll bring in the next gang of people they'll bring in. But um, uh, let me go through them. Education. Very you, quick, I quick, honestly quick. don't know. I, 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 this one I haven't given enough thought to. Who uh, do you like? The guy who works for uh, works with uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs, Arnie. Oh, Arnie Ar Duncan. Uh, Arnie Duncan. Very smart Arnie guy. Duncan. You think he he gets it? He, uh, that's my idea. I just guess he said it. Um, uh, uh, Did, didn't uh, he do EP, that under? EPA? Did he do that under Obama though? He may have. Yeah, I just yeah. Don't know. I just he's going to go back to a lot of people he's comfortable with. Um, uh, what about uh, EPA, Jay Inslee? That's not bad. Yeah. Um, commerce? You know, does anybody really want to be commerce? Because commerce is always one of those jobs that feels like, you know, uh, like understudy to the Treasury Secretary. Like you wanted yeah. to be the Treasury Secretary and then you got that or you got National Economic Advisor. It's like a consolation. You do a lot. It's like a yeah, it I agree. feels like a consolation prize, even though actually in this day and age, Wilbur yeah. Ross has to... 
it, you, I don't know if he's got power, but you'd think with all of the things yeah, going he's sleeping on a lot. with Huawei, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't even go on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Um, be sleepy. Snoozy. <laughs> Speaking of sleepy Joe, sleepy Wilbur. Um, uh, uh, I say Elizabeth Warren for that one. How about that? How do you like them? Who do you like the Treasury then? Treasury Secretary. Oh, they. I think they'd have a hard time put Elizabeth Warren. I'd love to see that just for the just to watch Jamie Dimon's head blow off. That but would who, be a pleasure. Who do they do it? Who do, who gets oh, the job? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, in olden times, Sheryl Sandberg, but no longer. Right. She's on the outs with them. Um, Could it be a Wall Street person, or you think you think a Jamie Dimon or a Larry Fink impossible? No. Okay. No. 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 That that AOC's head blops off right. on that one. So or Bernie Sanders. Um, that is a. Uh, How about like a, a, Doug McMillan? Oh, that's a nice choice. I don't know. Choice. He's a lovely man. He's lovely guy. Lovely people. Not, and he's not sleepy at all. That's an interesting question. That's a good question. Hmm. Uh, last, uh, let me give you two more. Uh, housing. Oof. Who would you want in housing right now? That's a great question. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, we'll think, we'll think. I know. See, start thinking about it. it could be a, a, a Andrew Ross Sorkin column. Uh, last one. Uh, I'm going to. Well, two more. Department of State. Ah, oh, Department of State. Well, come on. Why you have your? Come on, Susan. Susan Rice. Give it to Susan Hello. Rice. Susan Rice at her CIA. She sure, gets but CIA then there's going to be these crazy hearings where you're going to be hearing about you know this sort of like Hillary Clinton uh, Benghazi nonsense. Whatever. Whatever. And you think that they're going to be willing? Got Pompeo in there. You think they're going to willing to suffer through that? They didn't want to suffer th- with, through that with the vice presidential role. Yeah. She likes her, or else she'll be national security advisor. Yeah, right? I believe she's been that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he, like that what's, uh, attorney what's general. What's new again? Attorney. Yeah, attorney general. He's comfortable with her. He likes. Amy she's going to be in there. Oh, I say Sally Yates. Hmm. Sally Yates. She looks yep. good. She's 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 been there. She's done that. She should be running it. She's she's got Hold all. Hold on. What about? She's, got, she's a badass. Are we, is, are we a giving badass. a role to? Your, I don't know if he's a, is he a rival, a colleague, a peer, Preparara? Oh, uh, Preparara could also be attorney general. Yeah. I like that Preparara. I do. He's a funny guy. He's great. Uh, he would be great. He's been, he's got a whole Twitter uh, history now because he's really goes crazy on Twitter. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think there'll be a lot of Republicans if he wins. I think there'll be a lot more Republicans in the administration uh, because they're going to want to be like, uh, do a Gerald Ford kind of thing. Like, let's all hold hands and stop yelling at each other and let's ignore the QAnon lady. By the way, though, you know, we have this conversation as if we're like talking about it is as if, as if Biden's going to win. Gonna win. Got, Hold uh, on. Uh, well, but are you, know you looking at these crazy, are you Trump. looking at these betting markets? Are you? Because the betting markets yeah. are much tighter. And I they don't are. know what oh, to it's gonna be think tight. about that. It's going to be tight. Tight. It's going to be tight. And in the Trump administration, I don't know. It's this his hair, his barber, you know, like he's run out of people. They won't run out of the administration. It'll be filled with the people who want to be president next. You know, you'll see the return of Nikki Haley, those kind of things, I think. Uh, they'll come back. To, 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 okay, to I got a prediction for, for you, by the way. All right, go ahead. All you right, with your one. stories about Harris and Biden hating each other within three or four weeks. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think they do. No, I, but I'm saying that the whole issue has been that Biden supposedly wanted to have this partnership with somebody like Obama. And they really wanted to trust each other. Yeah. And you know that they're going to turn her into some kind of conniving something or other who's yes. trying to become the president before oh, he's even in the role. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's Fox News. My mother already read, already oh. had the talking points of the Trump administration. She literally typed the exact thing the Trump administration. It's like that, that it was astonishing to watch. You know what I mean? She was, of course, she's a Fox News fan, as people know, um, and she literally typed exactly what the um, she she wrote me. I swear it was crazy. She wrote me, uh, Biden won't know what hit him when she manipulated him. When she this is, and then the Trump administration. Uh, wrote the same things, you know, which is um, these sort of ugly, misogynistic talking points focused strictly on talking about how Harris completes the radical leftist takeover of Joe Biden because he doesn't know uh, what he's doing because he's addled. It's just, I was if amazed If you're a by fan it. of Fox, can you be a fan of Chris Wallace? And if you're a fan of Chris Wallace, can you be a fan yes. of Fox? Yes. Yes, yes. Very good no, I'm know, a huge I fan like of Chris Wallace. Of, yeah, but he, there's a couple people there that but are But he often goes journals. against the grain. That's why I was curious. He does. I just, I think they're so irresponsible. Just the, the whole naming, the, the fact that that uh, Tucher Carlson couldn't pronounce Kamala Harris was really, I mean, it's like a 10-year-old who wasn't raised right, but I don't want to even blame his parents because I'm sure they tried. Um, but it, misnaming her is just ridiculous. Like, you don't have to like her policy. You don't have to like her her record. You don't have to like her on a level as a politician. But to mispronounce her name is really ri- ridiculous. It's it's vaguely, you know, it's it's just weird. It's just weird. It's just it's so it's so aggressive in the worst possible ways. So I think, but I think it's effective. I hate to say it. I think it's effective. And that, that base is, I mean, I looked at my mom's tweets and I was like, okay, it works. It works, unfortunately. Yes, it's going to be a very tight race. So we will, next, I will predict with our next host who's going to be the Trump administration Ooh, uh, cabinet. Okay. Sorry. All right. Okay, Andrew, you've proven yourself not only to have good hair, but to be an incredible co-host. How is sitting in Scott's you shoes? You are very kind. So I'm not wearing shoes right now. As it happens, okay. All right. So I can't right. speak, and not Scott's I can't shoes speak either. to Scotch's. He may be in flip flops <laughs> if he's on the beaches in Nantucket. Yes, yeah, he is indeed. And and do you have any advice for me as your temporary co-host? Advice, advice for Kara. Yeah. yeah, I keep doing what you're doing. I love it. That's so yeah, it's yeah. boring and lame. That's not someday we will have one a day. Show, you and I. Yeah, yeah, now we now we're will. just making Scott jealous. That's just unfair. We and are. Mean. No, we are. We are. I've decided it's mean. this. I've already decided it's mean. this. I'm moving on. You know, it's it's me and wives. I like wives. I like a lot of wives. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much okay, for we're doing move this. To Utah. And, by the, and yeah. Andrew is Andrew Russell is a great journalist, and I really appreciate hey, Cara, you thank doing you this. Thank you for having me. You're, no you're problem. And by the way, I do love Scott, and we've been loving our live stream series called Pivot School. They're terrific. We awesome. look great. You yeah, guys really. looked awesome. Thank you. We love good. You really we did. Good. And it was. It's just the camera and a lot of Vaseline, uh, Andrew. That's what it is. Really, pretty much. You can get tickets now for next week's show at pivotschool.com. We have Dara Coast Rashahi coming on along with a lot of other amazing people and ideas and things like that. And Scott's been doing some amazing presentations. Thank you again, uh, Thank Andrew. You. Uh, today's show was produced by Rebecca Sananis. Fernando Finete engineered this episode. Eric Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks again to Andrew Ross Sorkin for co hosting with me uh, this week and have a great rest of summer. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify. Spotify, or frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week with Amina Sao, a co-hosting our breakdown of all things tech and business.